This morning's reading is from the text of A Course in Miracles, page 92. You cannot teach what you have not learned, and what you teach you strengthen in yourself because you are sharing it. Every lesson you teach, you are learning. That is why you must teach only one lesson. If you are to be conflict-free yourself, you must learn only from the Holy Spirit and teach only by Him. You are only love, but when you deny this, you make what you are something you must learn to remember. I said before that the message of the crucifixion was, teach only love, for that is what you are. This is the one lesson that is perfectly unified, because it is the only lesson that is one. Only by teaching it can you learn it. As you teach, so will you learn. If that is true, and it is true indeed, do not forget that what you teach is teaching you and what you project or extend, you believe. The only safety lies in extending the Holy Spirit, because as you see His gentleness in others, your own mind perceives itself as totally harmless. Once it can accept this fully, it sees no need to protect itself. The protection of God then dawns upon it, assuring it that it is perfectly safe forever. The perfectly safe are wholly benign. They bless because they know that they are blessed. Without anxiety, the mind is wholly kind, and because it extends beneficence, it is beneficent. Safety is the complete relinquishment of attack. No compromise is possible in this. Teach attack in any form, and you have learned it, and it will hurt you. Yet this learning is not immortal, and you can unlearn it by not teaching it. Since you cannot not teach, your salvation lies in teaching the exact opposite of everything the ego believes. This is how you will learn the truth that will set you free, and will keep you free as others learn it of you. The only way to have peace is to teach peace. By teaching peace, you must learn it yourself because you cannot teach what you still disassociate. Only thus can you win back the knowledge that you threw away, an idea that you share you must have. It awakens in your mind through the conviction of teaching it. Everything you teach you are learning. Teach only love and learn that love is yours and you are love. Now I'm going to try to clarify something one more time. This business about asking people, how are you doing? <laughs> now, this is the last time I'm going to go over this. Uh, as we've said so many times here in the last uh, two plus years, there are no rules of behavior. There are rules of the heart. There are certain ways that generally make it better in the world. We've talked about them uh, in the past. We've talked about how it ma it'll make it easier on you if you do not discuss other egos. It'll make it easier if you don't use a specific e e uh, ego as an example of the truth. We have mentioned uh, other things that are generally true. It's generally best not to kid. Generally, the ego comes in when you start kidding another person, and there's a little undercurrent there. It's generally best not to, uh, to interrupt. You see this so often, with, uh, especially with couples interrupting each other. One thing is not more important than another. How can you see your oneness with your brother if you are waiting to say the more important thing? <laughs> and we've talked about how the ego can often in, slip into questions and how it often does that, and to look at questions. We've talked about many, many things that address themselves to how the world operates, how it, how it is set up, and how to live more easily in the world. 
But these are not absolutes. It's not that you never ask a question. It's not that you never kid. And that uh, that you uh, never uh, discuss another ego. For example, if you were being asked to recommend someone for a job, someone was asking for a reference, that kind of thing, and many other examples. So these are not absolute things. Uh, but I evidently should never have mentioned the thing about uh, saying, uh, how are you doing? Because I still find people coming up and having these guilt attacks when they say, how are you doing? <gasps> they catch themselves right in the middle, you know. <laughs> so if they're not supposed to say that. One thing that might be helpful to do whenever you're considering modifying your behavior, which generally is not a good idea, if you'll just concentrate on your heart and let your behavior take care of itself, this is almost always the most peaceful thing to do. If you find that there is some behavior in your personality that's causing you, tr you trouble, then, of course, you can look at it. Now, all I said was that the ego comes into everything even when you say, how are you doing? That doesn't mean you're not supposed to... What are you supposed to do if you don't say, how are you doing? What's the alternative? Do you see how the alternative could be even more anxiety-producing? To not say anything? You see, or to refuse to answer the question? <laughs> if, if this is a real problem, if, you, if, you, if it if it's, uh, upsets you to ask, how are you doing, and you don't like that, then perhaps you will come up with some uh, very natural way of greeting someone. So, there are no rules. They're just little suggestions, they're just little insights that make living in the world easier. But these are not truth. This is not the truth of God. Now we've got that one cleared up. Um, what I thought we would talk about this morning is the subject of withdrawing into God. So we discussed this a little bit last time. We talked about how one of the ways, one of the very easy ways to walk home, one of the ways to know your father, to begin to know the presence of God in your life. And you must realize that this is done very gradually. Seek no breakthrough. Seek no sudden experience. I realize that there are books and some speakers and so forth that do promise you this. All I can tell you is that it is my experience that it almost never comes in that way. It comes by being willing, by settling for, if you will, a little gain each day. That's what you want. You want to just see if you can be a little more peaceful than you were yesterday. But you see, God is peace. And so if you succeed in being a little more peaceful, then you have a little more God in your life. This is almost a paradox because by expecting very little of yourself, by working hard, but seeking no sudden breakthrough, by just attempting to make a small gain each day, you make very rapid progress. By, by settling for a little progress, you make a great deal of progress because you do not get caught up in the ego's ideal of dramatic change and excitement and special knowledge. And so we spoke of one of the ways in which you can gradually begin to bring God into your life, and that is by gently walking around the stimuli that call to your particular ego. You withdraw from those stimuli. There are no universal stimuli from which you must withdraw. We mentioned television, for example. Television is 
in fact, deeply disturbing to most people, far more disturbing than they realize. This does not mean, however, that you shouldn't watch television. Because if you do that, if you start trying to be someplace where you are not, if you try to operate from a level of learning that you haven't reached, then you will fall into this business of sacrifice. And it won't be long before you begin to think that your path home to your father is an unhappy path, that it, that it demands loss, that you're, asked to, you're being asked to give up something of value for something else that you're not even sure has value. But never are you being asked to do that, and that's why you should avoid this sense of sacrifice and loss and drudgery. Now, of course, the word sacrifice can be used in a beautiful sense. Every word can be used in a holy sense. The people who work with uh, the inmates in the penitentiary use profanity in a beautiful sense. I've heard this done. I've heard people cry because they suddenly felt the presence of God after a stream of profanity that was used with love. There is no word that you cannot use in either an ego way or you can allow it to be used if it's appropriate in the context, by the Holy Spirit, by God, by your higher self. And so that's true of the word sacrifice. And for example, uh, Mother Teresa uses the word beautifully. It's very inspiring the way she uses the word. But you understand how I'm using it. Avoid that. And so last time we talked about for example, with the television, you don't give up television. You just simply watch your tolerance for it slowly decrease. And as it decreases, then you cut back because now you want to cut back. Not because you should cut back, not because you're feeling guilty, not because you want to impress other people and go out and tell them that you're watching less television, but simply you realize that you don't want to watch as much and that, that you don't have to do what you've always done in the past. Your life doesn't have to be some rigid habit. And so you feel like, you remember I told you that uh, Gail and I watched, the only thing that was left was uh, when the Cowboys played on Monday Night Football. Well, that that <laughs> went away this last year. I just suddenly, we had no interest in, I know this is uh, absolutely, <laughs> uh, my dad will listen to this statement this tape back in Dallas, Texas. He will not believe this statement, but we had no interest in watching the Dallas Cowboys anymore. It wasn't that it was bad or wrong or anything else. It just was not there. It just suddenly was not there. We just weren't watching it. And so that was the end. That was the end of that. It was a very natural process, and it took place over two or three years. Just gradually faded away. As so many things have already faded away in your life, you take it easy. You roll gently down the stream. And you roll merrily. And so you watch your sense of merriness. Don't damage, don't touch, don't sully your sense of merriness. Unless the path is happy, it is not leading to God. I don't care how much verbiage there is attached to it, how many holy phrases. In spiritual rules, it is not leading to God unless it is happy, unless it makes your heart sing, unless this makes it a better day, unless it makes the relationship more peaceful. It is not leading to God. And so you are mistaken. So go back to the basics when that happens. Be simple. Be kind. Be gentle and get back on the path. There's a there's an evangelist I used to watch. I told you this story. There's an evangelist I used to watch on television who uh, talked about sacrifice. I don't know if he's still on television. I don't know if he still talks about it. But I remember he used to talk eloquently about sacrifice. And he would list the things that the people are going to have to give up. 
And with each thing he would list, new faces would break out in tears. And just, you know, not, not tears of sadness, but tears of joy. And I wondered what was going on there. And one day I realized why this was such a touching message. It was because what he was saying is, in a sense, and all you will be left with is God. And that's what you want. All I'm saying is, it will come a little more quickly that day in which you are left with nothing but God if you don't fight, if you don't try to do things before you're ready, if you take it easy, if you do your best and work hard, but not sacrifice in that sense. I stopped listening to the evangelist one day in which when he, in his list he got to country western music. <laughs> now, wait just a minute. Now, wait just a minute. <clears throat> I mean, how can you turn against something that has lines like, um, he took my love and he took my mother. <laughs> Have you heard that Dolly Parton song about the traveling salesman? <laughs> took my love and he took my mother. Uh, or... Uh, if you want to keep your beer real cold, hold it against my ex-wife's heart. <laughs> Surely this does not have to be given up, does it? <laughs> my head hurts, my feet stink, and I don't love Jesus. <laughs> So this concept of withdrawal, just as the concept of avoiding the stimuli that call to your particular ego, not judging the stimuli, not saying these are bad stimuli and going out and telling other people they shouldn't do this, but just recognizing the stimuli that call to your particular ego, even as it is so easy to misinterpret that concept, it is also easy to misinterpret the concept of withdrawal. And this is especially true if you happen to be attending this church and you see the way that Gail and I are withdrawing. This is just our way of withdrawing. And so, of course, there is an ego way of withdrawing, and it is not helpful. Many people withdraw into uh, TV and chocolates and sexual fantasies, and they just stay in their little place. And they, Because I've had... People come up after services and say, I'm not going out as much either. I just don't have any desire to go out. Well, that isn't it. It doesn't matter. That's not, it's not, it's, it isn't that you stay in your room or something. The reason that Gail and I are not going out as much is that we can join with each other. And so we are withdrawing into our family. We're not withdrawing into loneliness and isolation. We're withdrawing into our family. But in the world, this is a very dangerous thing. The general wisdom of the world is there is safety in numbers. And so if you are to protect yourself against pain, the world councils have many friends so that if one turns against you, it will not hurt so much. Have many relationships, so if one goes sour, it will not hurt so much. Have many activities, because if one suddenly becomes boring, you will have other things to turn to. If you have only one hobby and they run out of the supplies at the local store, there you are. This is the counsel of the world. There is safety in numbers. It does not understand withdrawing into the peace of God, withdrawing into love. And so as you simplify your life, and as you have fewer possessions, and as you do fewer things, and as you're content to be around those people that you feel peaceful with, even though they may only be a few people, there is this lingering fear that you have walked out on some sort of plank way, 
and it's going to be cut out from under you. You're going to have to jump. The big pirate in the sky will pull out his sword and goose you, and you'll have to jump into the shark-infested sea. But this will not happen if you will withdraw into the peace of God. And if you have that sense of withdrawing into more kindness and more peace. But of course, there is other kinds of withdrawal. There's withdrawal into shopping. Some people get sad and they've got to go out and shop and shop and shop. And there are people who uh, get unhappy and they have to go hang out at other people's houses. And there are people who get unhappy and they've got to go and uh, do their particular sport. They've got to play their sport. And there's even a withdrawal into work, which is so honored. But it is withdrawal. It is a turning away from people, perhaps. I'm not saying this is always the case. Obviously, it's not. To work hard, doesn't. there's nothing wrong with working hard. But you know what I'm talking about. There is this tendency sometimes to withdraw into our work when there are people who are giving us gifts of love and gentleness, but it is difficult, and so we withdraw into that. Or in Santa Fe, there's oftentimes we withdraw into our art. We must do our art. And I've seen more than one relationship in Santa Fe break up because the art came first and the relationship came second. And so if you'll have this sense of withdrawing into God, then you will find your way of cutting back on the world, which holds no God. It holds no peace. It holds no rest. It will not come to an end and bring you rest. Not the world. It is not a place you wish to hate, but it is a place you wish to look at Honestly. And once you do, you'll begin to see you cannot have both the world and God. But that is a while coming. And you will go through a stage in which you do think you can have the best of both worlds. And you can pursue the things you want in the world and add to them and go that course and at the same time Pursue your spiritual practices, and it does appear to be working out. Sometimes for a long time, it appears to be working. You can have the best of both. But a time will come in which you will truly feel the peace of God, and you won't just say the word Jesus and it will be a word in your mouth, or the word Christ, or the word Father, or the word Son, or the word Brother. or my sisters, or my family. You won't just say those words anymore. You will feel them. They will be an experience. They will be a reality. And when that day comes, you will still be trying to live in both worlds at the same time. And the pain will become enormous. And very few people escape this stage. It will become extremely painful for you to continue some of the things that you've been doing. And so there will be this choice. And some people literally go insane at that point because they do not make the choice. And so they can no longer function in the world and yet they are not quite ready to let it go and turn to God. And so they withdraw into insanity. And this can happen. It will not happen to you if you will simply see there is a choice to be made. Do you wish light or do you wish darkness? In this aspect only, not all these other aspects, but this one that's causing you so much pain, this one that's making you sick. And so look and sit down and ask your heart, what do you wish to do about this? Do you wish to cut back a little bit in this one place? Now, I would like for you to have the experience 
of withdrawing into God. And of course, I can't give you that experience. I can offer ways that you can have it. And we've talked about probably thousands here at the Dispensable Church. But let me give you one more way, which we will do together right now. Don't worry whether or not this works. Don't look and see what the results are. Don't ask yourself, did, I, did it happen for me? It doesn't matter. This may be a, a nice exercise for you, and it may not. But it's simply one more way that you can turn to God. And so I'm going to ask you to close your eyes now, and I'm going to lead you in a couple of little imageries. So, first of all, get comfortable. Remember, unless your way home is comfortable and happy, you aren't, you aren't making any progress. So be happy in your seat. <laughs> Let your shoulders be happy and your neck be happy and your hands be happy and comfortable. And breathe a little bit. Fellow dispensapalians, the world does not want you to be happy. And you are afraid of being happy. See now, prove to yourself now, it's okay, it's okay to be happy. It won't hurt you to be happy. And so now you're happy. You're relaxed. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, uh, a little story reminds you of a little story I've told you before. And that is about Reverend Weeks. When Jerry and I were in Atlanta and we were working with the uh, parents of the murdered children, and Reverend Weeks, a uh, black minister from Jamaica, came over and taught us all a beautiful lesson as we were all together, Jerry and me and the parents and Reverend Weeks. And every question that was asked her and people who came for her counsel, the one thing she said and the one thing that was remembered was immerse yourself totally in God. Immerse yourself totally in God. And so that is the inspiration for this meditation. I want you to silently say to yourself, I drown in God and breathe in peace. I drown in God and breathe in peace. So just say that very gently to yourself. You drop into God. You immerse yourself in God. You drown in God and breathe in peace. Don't be embarrassed to do this. I let go of the world and dissolve in God. I release the world now. I release this little identity, this little name, this little life, all these little goals, these little passions, these little beliefs, these little opinions, all this pettiness. I release it. I relinquish it. I let it go. I drop in the sea of Christ. I drop into the ocean of light. And have this sense now. You don't have to overcome. You sink into God. So drop into God. Let go of the world. Drop into God and dissolve into the love and the peace of your Father. And now hear these words with your eyes closed. Because now you are one with him. I am one with thee, O thou infinite one, 
I am where thou art. I am what thou art. I am because thou art. I am one with thee. O thou infinite one, I am where thou art. I am what thou art. I am because thou art. Okay, you can open your eyes now. Do not underestimate your fear of God. Do not underestimate your fear of oneness. You think if you forgive this person, you're going to have to spend more time with them. It's not true. You think that if you return to your father, you'll have to give up all the good things in the world. The only good things in the world are where Christ shines through for you. And it can shine through any place. And you will see that the essence of the good things is the Christ. And you will have more and more of it. But you must not fight this fear. And so all you want to see is, does it hurt you to be a little more peaceful today? You're not asked to... uh, What does the Course say? You will not be suddenly pushed into heaven. Don't be afraid you'll be suddenly pushed into heaven. There's no coercion here. You've got all the time in the world. You've got as long as you wish. And so ask yourself, do you wish to be a little more peaceful today? Do you want a little more God today? And then see if there's anything scary. See if there's any loss. See if your identity is diminished. Is your mind contracted? Is anything taken from you? And you will see that there is nothing to fear. And so tomorrow, you will do the same. And tomorrow, the same. And the day will come, my friends, in which you will want to do nothing more than join the brotherhood of those who have relinquished their egos. They have simply set them aside now. It's very natural. There's nothing tricky about this or weird about this. There are simply those, an ever-growing, gently growing number of those who have laid aside their egos and they are no longer in the world. And the time will come in which you wish to join that brotherhood so you can help everyone, so you can help your brothers and sisters who have not awakened. And so see if you want a little of that today. That's the only question you have to ask yourself. There you are shopping at Skaggs Alpha Beta. (laughs) which has everything the ego could possibly want. (sighs) Fresh squeezed orange juice and yellow pads of paper to write on. Charcoal lighter and two different tables of cheese. And kiwi fruit. (laughs) Fuzzy and mashable and everything and you're irritated, and you're in a rush. The only question is, would you like to shop a little more peacefully and a little more happily? Do you wish to be in a rush? Do you wish to be irritated at what just happened in the store? That's the only question. And so you don't strive for perfection. You don't strive for perfect peace. You don't strive for your mind to be completely quiet. Would you like to be a little more peaceful? And there you are at home with the person you're living with. And the mood between you is not good. Don't kid yourself that you don't know how to improve the mood, at least a little. Of course you know how to improve the mood just a little. But the ego will say, you'll have to back down. You will have to lose ground. You're going to become a welcome mat. And your spouse or roommate or whoever it is... 
is going to they're going to wipe their dirty boots on you. And you can't do this. You're the one who always does it. You're the one who always gives in. I've had enough of this. And the only question is, what do you value? Do you value harmony? Do you value oneness? Do you wish to see this person as your brother? Or do you wish to keep the war going just a little bit longer? Do you want to be right? Do you want to point out the error in what they just said? Or would you like to go into your room, close the door, and attack them in that way? Or do you want harmony? That's all it means to join with God, at least in the beginning, that you value harmony, you value love, you value peace. You value it right now in this situation. You ask yourself, what can I do to make this situation that I'm in right now happier? So... As you know, I told you that uh, I was sick a while back. Now, the tendency is to long to be well, just as it is to long for all these other things. Long for the day to be over. Long for the service to end. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Long to get to those donuts. And I caught myself doing this because it was not going away as quickly as I had decided that it should. And here I was two weeks, three weeks into the uh, flu or whatever the thing was. And so the question was, was I going to walk home even while I had the flu or wasn't I? And so the thing that I said to myself, and you can use any trick like this. Don't be afraid to use any trick. I said to myself, I am never going to get rid of this flu. I will have it until the day I die. My nose will run. I will have the little headache. I'll have to make frequent trips to the uh, bathroom. And that's just the way it is. And so what am I going to do? Do you see? No longing for it. Well, I'll be peaceful. I'll turn to God as much as I can in this circumstance. So there you are in your office, and you find yourself looking at the clock. It will never reach five. It will never be five o'clock, you say to yourself. Reagan will make a rule. It will stop at 428, and that's what time it will be forever and forever and forever. And when they bury me, they will have to pick me out of this swivel chair because this is where I will be. So what do you want to do? You want to walk home to your father. That's what you want to do. You want to be as peaceful as you can be. You want to see if you can bring rest to your mind. You want to see if you can love a little more and forgive a little more right there on the spot. What we are doing when we do this kind of thing is that we are looking at our body more objectively. It seems to be another paradox that the way to bring peace to your body and peace to your ego is to identify with it more rather than less. You actually identify with it more. We are afraid of our body and we are afraid of our ego and we don't look at it. And when you look at it, and when you identify with it, and you begin to take care of it, that is the time that you will begin to exert a very peaceful influence, control, if you would like to use that word, over it. It's when you're not fighting it, and you're not judging it, and you're not saying it shouldn't be doing that. You treat it perhaps as you would your own child. Jordan now is at the point where he now is reaching for everything and putting it in his mouth. So any new toy, anything, you jiggle it, you show it how it works, and he's just very excited about it, grabs it, boom, in the mouth. <laughs> Whatever it does, it's going to do it better in the mouth. Jordan knows this. And so 
we put things out of his reach. That's what we do. It's not right or wrong to do that. That's just the way to keep him happy. Because if he gets a hold of the uh, babo or whatever it is, he is not going to be happy. It's just that simple. And so we look at him. We identify with him. Do you see? We identify with him just as you have with your children. And we act accordingly. So with Jordan, Jordan does not like to be the center of attention. He cries whenever he's the center of attention. And yet, when he can just watch, he's very, very happy. So we thought that he just didn't like to go outside, didn't like to go outdoors, but we found that he didn't like to be the center of attention. By looking at him more closely and identifying with him more, we realized what was going on. So, for example, we took him recently over to the little park at McDonald's. We didn't eat the food, people. I want you to know that. <clears throat> we just ordered it, left it there on the table. <laughs> For the other people. And we went out to the park. So they've got this wonderful little park over there at McDonald's. And... Uh, I took Jordan out there, and he just watched those kids play for the forever. Hey, I'm, if I hadn't gone in, I'm sure he would still be, you know, stay out there. <laughs> so that's what he liked doing, and that was a discovery from looking at him more carefully. Now you can do this with your body and with your ego. You can see what makes it happy. So, for example, he likes little finger foods, things like uh, Cheerios, and uh, they've got these little crackers that don't have sugar and so forth. And we put him on his little tray there, and he'll just, I, they say babies can't concentrate. Have you ever seen a baby try to pick up a Cheerio? <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, but if we said, oh, he likes to put sweet things in his mouth. And we just loaded him down with all kinds of sweet things. You see, that wouldn't make him happy. So you've got to treat your ego and your body as if it were a child. It does not know what is in its best interests. The urge, the yearnings that you feel in your body are not necessarily going to make your body happy. And you know this. You all know what it means to be mildly addicted to something whether it's uh, Snickers or Moon Pies or whatever the thing is, Cokes or whatever the thing may be, you know this yearning. You know if you feed the yearning, it grows. If you don't feed it, it goes away. It's very simple. And so even though your body may have an urge for something, you know that in this particular case, it would be best if you did not satisfy it because the urge will just simply be greater tomorrow. And so it's not that you do everything that goes off in your body and assume that you that because this particular sensation has gone off in your body, that because you're irritated, you're supposed to yell at someone. Because you're hungry, you're supposed to eat such and such a thing. But by looking at it and identifying with it more closely, then you can see what it needs, your particular body and your particular ego. And if you will keep your body and your ego, which is, of course, one is simply the seen part of the other. The body is the ego seen. That's all it is. They're the same thing. If you'll keep your body and your ego happy, then it will not interfere with your walk home. And so be fine. It's fine to do that. If you need a little glass of warm milk before you go to bed, if you want to drop a little graham cracker in there and so forth, then do that. If you want to put a little Vicks vapor rub in the humidifier, rub a little, uh, what, on your chest? What do you rub on your chest? I'm looking at David. <laughs> David's from, <laughs> I shouldn't look at David. In Texas, we have hair on our chest, and that's all. <clears throat> David and I know this. And this applies to other people. And so you've heard me use this analogy about pet monkeys. Now, 
I don't know if you've had the experience of seeing a pet monkey. I would not recommend it. <laughs> but perhaps you know someone. As I have said before, if you happen to have a pet monkey and you're attending the dispensable church, then of course I'm not talking about your brand of monkey. These are the other monkeys we're talking about. A pet monkey screams all night long. It climbs up and down the uh, curtains and tears them to pieces. If the boss comes over, it does embarrassing things with its body. <laughs> uh, you, it has, you have to put diapers on it, and on and on and on. I, I won't go on with this forever, but people love their pet monkey. They love their pet monkey. You go over to their house and they will point out the little dimple in its chin and ask you, isn't it cute? And isn't it nice how it swings from the chandelier up there? <laughs> yes, we are going to have to get that fixed. It is coming out. But isn't it cute? And see, it goes right over to the top of the dining room table where you will be eating in just a moment. <laughs> People, if there are those who can love a pet monkey, you can love your spouse. <laughs> it is that simple. How do people love a pet monkey? They forgive it its faults. They overlook them. They look at the dimple, the twinkle in the eye, and whatever else they look at, and they love it. And that's possible with your friends and with your spouse and with your boss and with your new employee and with the, the new person in the office and with the person who's driving in many lanes in front of you. <laughs> it is possible to do that. And it requires no trick it requires no fancy mental footwork for you to do this because Christ is there. Because all that Jesus was is there, the light and the warmth of God. And so you don't tell yourself that you like things that you don't like. You don't fight your ego prejudices. You overlook your ego prejudices and you overlook what your ego sees and you remind yourself that you look straight at Christ but do not see him. And you open your heart to the warmth and the truth and the connection and the bond and the deep feeling of love that's there. And you do not judge it and you do not measure it. You just open yourself a little bit. You just remind yourself of the truth. I'm seeing a veil. I'm seeing a costume. Christ is there. This person yearns to be good in their heart. They don't want to weave all over the highway. They don't want to get in that condition by 5 o'clock every evening. They truly do not want to in their heart. They want to be a good person. And so you look at the goodness, not in any mystical way, not that you see flashing lights and all kinds of silly stuff like that, but the warmth in your heart grows because of the truth that you have reminded your mind about. And that's all that happens. Long for the day to end, and it will seem to never end. Long for the pot to boil, it will seem to never boil. Long for your spouse to stop smacking, and he or she will never stop smacking, or at least it will seem forever. Long for your teenager to carry out the garbage, and strangely enough, they will carry it out less often. Long for the city of Santa Fe to fix the potholes, and it will seem to never happen. Long for the peace of God, and you will have the peace of God. Long to be further along than you are, and you will be stuck. Long to know more 
spiritual truth, then you know. And you will feel the deadness of this endeavor. Long to be thought of more highly. To be thought of as spiritual. To be thought of as saintly. And you'll be disappointed in the opinion that others have of you. But long for the peace of God and it is yours. Close your eyes with me now and let's say this silently to ourselves. The simple truth that does it all. Everything I want is the peace of God. All I want is to know my Father. In my heart, I know that this is what I want. I want to know my Father. I want to know more peace. I want to know love rather than judgment. I want to know God. I want to sink into that ocean of light. I want to see that light in everyone I meet. I want to stop this murdering with my mind, this criticizing, this finding fault. I want to know God. I want to know peace. I will long for the peace of God and for nothing else. And it will be mine this day.